I would look at, at as that as one way to get ahead of your competitors is be prepared, own it, embrace it, because if they don't, you are going to beat them in the talent game. Hey, I'm Paul Perry. I'm Kim Hartsock, and you're listening to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it. So you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Now, let's get down to business. Hey, Kim. Hey, Paul. How are you today? I'm great. I'm very excited to be here today. I'm very excited to talk to our guest today. We have David Salters, who is one of our partners and leads our Warren Averett staffing and recruiting team. And we have with us our uh, guest, Tom Kosnick, who is an expert on all things recruiting and retention. So we are going to talk about talent today, which I know is a very hot topic for our listeners. Looking forward to it. So David, welcome. Tom, glad to have you all here with us. Glad to be here. Glad to be with you once again, Kim and Paul. Is this is this number two for you, David? It is number two or maybe three. It has. Uh, it's always a pleasure speaking with you two, though. Glad to have you back and glad you brought your friend Tom with us. Yes. Uh, Tom, if you could, for our listeners, just a little bit of a background on, on yourself and, and kind of what you do around the recruiting retention space. Sure. I've been servicing the staffing industry, recruiting industry for 26 years now. A lot of organizational development, growth strategy work, typically work with the people that own the businesses or uh, the general managers of the business. And uh, we get called in to usually when they hit a plateau or they get stuck and they're looking for new ideas. And so we come in and help them get unstuck and help them get uh, back on the growth track. It's been, uh, it's been a joy servicing the industry uh, and glad to be here. And David, we know who you are, but if you could give our listeners just a little bit about what you do with Warren Avery, it'd be helpful. Yeah, sure. Uh, this is my 22nd year in the staffing and recruiting business, so not quite as long as Tom, but have been around uh, for a while and have been doing that in what I would call mostly the Sun Belt, let's say from Texas to Florida over those years. And uh, I've been with Warren Averett about 10 years now. And at Warren Averett Staffing and Recruiting, we are responsible for the talent acquisition here at Warren Averett, but also for many of our clients. And our job is to talk to talent, locate talent, motivate, and help retain talent. And that's what we do every day. And David, you and your team do a great job for us and for our clients. And Tom, we're really excited to have you here with us as well. So Tom, let's start the conversation here. I think there's some tension between maybe a misconception of what the unemployment rate is saying and the feeling that most employers are feeling when they're out trying to hire. So can you kind of walk our listeners through what that really means? Sure, there's uh, quite a bit of confusion and misconception about the unemployment numbers. But in a pandemic, the when we see that number, and I don't even know what it's at right now, is it is it 6%, 7%, something like that, uh, unemployment? So those jobs are all your hospitality jobs, your lower-end manufacturing jobs that have been reduced and, and whatnot. That really makes up most of that uh, unemployment number. When you get into these uh, fields like accounting and finance, IT, engineering, the sales profession, the uh, those are 
fully, we have in the United States here, we're at a fully deployed workforce. So I've got clients that uh, their clients think that there's a bunch of accounting finance people sitting around waiting for job offers and things like that. Not the case at all. I mean, in the accounting and finance, it is a very tight market right now. Uh, and the same thing with engineering, IT, salespeople. It's crazy. Uh, but, uh, and, and, and oh, by the way, th those were the jobs. Those were the 35% of the jobs that could go remote. And so those people like on the professional level, those types of personnel, they just went remote. They didn't stop working. Uh, they just took it home. So that's, I would say, Kim, I would say that's the biggest misconception is that in the, in the professional sectors, there are, uh, there are companies that are thinking that there's a lot of available candidates and it is tight. If it's that tight of a market, Tom and David, and I want to be in the position to land that talent, how, how do I do that? What, what, is, what, is my, what is my strategy? What am I going after? What kind of mindset do I have to have? And is it different than the mindset I had 18 months ago? Yeah, Paul, if you think back, uh, just a couple of years ago, you mentioned 18 months ago, we were, we were here again. We had, there's a tight, tight labor, labor market but really across the board. So not only professional, but manufacturing and labor jobs were tight. And we went through this whole phase of you know, employer branding and employer reputation to and all that to make sure we were recruiting and retaining talent to the best of our ability. And that really stretched some companies beyond their normal culture because they really had to fight and, and to get talent and then to retain talent. And then 2020 hit the shutdown. And it's like someone pulled the emergency brake and there were layoffs and, and cutbacks and shutdowns. And all these companies had to pivot into remote working. Some, some were prepared for that. Some were not. And so the market has been yo-yoed here. So we went you know, fast and, and furious on hiring to an immediate stop to now this confusion and misconception that we're talking about with unemployment numbers. We see these numbers. Well, two years ago, that number was not, there was no confusion around that number. Today, there's confusion around that number. So how do you get talent? One is accepting and understanding what the market is. Uh, there's probably leaders, we've had, we've had clients speak to us, they cannot figure out why no one's applying for their jobs. They hear 6% unemployment, 7% unemployment, whereas depending on where um, you, know, you consume your data from, that there's you know, available talent or there's not. And so there's confusion. The clients that will accept the market and understand, especially for the jobs that can be remote and that are more professional, that we do have not only a fully deployed workforce, but one that has quite a bit of pent up demand. Every employee out there has a certain cycle in which they may change jobs. We all know that has uh, moved to a shorter cycle over the years. And let's say, for example, someone averages changing jobs every four, five, six years, and that year would have come in 2020, and they stayed put because of the pandemic. Well, they're going to find a new job this year. We've seen surveys where up to 80, 80% of candidates expect to seek a new job in 2021. Well, so beyond your normal turnover and retention issues, you've got this pent up demand that candidates are gonna move. And so you as our clients rather need to be aware and then have a plan and essentially tune out the noise on unemployment and, and have a talent acquisition strategy that looks more like it did in 2018 and 2019 when things were at such a peak and and go full force on recruiting and retention and this remote workforce 
Some companies are ready to go back to the office. Some are not. Some don't know what to do. And carefully managing and communicating that plan is going to be key for retaining your folks. And that's going to be the best way to recruit the rest of 2021 is to retain your best folks. And uh, managing that return to work is going to be critical. Yeah. So the, the remote work thing concept, yes. I mean, companies will have to have a remote work policy. And a lot of the organizational development pundits that I'm that I'm researching on, they basically say, and this is this is not maybe in 2021, but maybe beyond 2021, we are likely to settle into like an 80-20 rule with the remote work thing, me meaning that 80% in the office, 20% working remote, 70% in the office, 30% working remote. There's already there's already data research, like all the big business schools are doing uh, a data research in terms of the productivity of teams that are working together collaboratively in an office versus teams that are working from home. And the teams that are like in the office working collaboratively, they're, they're far more productive, like double digits more productive. So, but that's a, a thing that, that every company, it doesn't matter what size you are, you'll have to kind of, you'll have to figure that out. But in terms of like the question that you asked prior about getting employees, uh, attracting employees, look, I mean, if you're a market, there's a whole list of this stuff that a whole list of variables. So is your company a market leader? And if it's not a market leader, then what are you doing to uh, offer any kind of advancement, training, development for those employees? A lot of uh, persons that are out there looking for new opportunities, they want, they want a cultural match. They want to belong to an organization that gives back to the greater society or is involved in some, some uh, positive, healthy social things. It's a, it's a really big deal. All of us on this call know benefits, 401k plans. I mean, we think about total comp, career development, career advancement. I mean, so like when you're trying to attract, when, when, we, when we send David some job orders to say, hey, we need some staff accountants here. I mean, one of the questions David's going to ask, well, why, why would somebody come work for your organization? And you better have some really compelling, <laughs> compelling uh, reasons. Because it's it's sort of like the, the the shiny apple gets gets the most looks, and so management, you know, are they are they making that apple as shiny as it can be? So you both said two words that I want to um, that has been part of my new favorite quote that I've used several times: culture eats strategy for lunch. <laughs> Have y'all heard that? Deming. absolutely, yes. And 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 it sounds like what you're talking about is. David, you did talk about strategy. You did say, I have to have a good strategy in place. But man, if your culture is just not there, uh, the strategy means nothing and, and you're, still at, you're still kind of at step one. Uh, for the business leaders that are out there that, that heard Tom say, what are you doing from a cultural perspective? If you're sitting there going, well, how do I communicate what my company believes in? How do I communicate that to potential job owners or anybody else. Um, you know, there's that new whole concept of ESG or sustainability reporting that a lot of organizations are getting into to be able to take that stance. Hey, here are the things we believe in. Here's what we are truly doing to back that from a climate perspective, uh, from a social perspective, from a governance perspective. Here's what we're doing as an organization. So I just wanted to kind of put that in there because y'all talked a little bit about culture. And I think it's important to say you can have the best strategy in the world, but if that culture is not right, you're still stuck at first step. Yeah, the 
the idea of answering the question that Tom asked, why, why would a candidate come to work at your company? Because we're fully deployed, you're, you're convincing someone who is almost certainly already, already has a job doing a similar role somewhere else. So there needs to be a value proposition for them to join the team, and it's going to be that culture. So there's a number of ways you can promote that culture. Easiest is on social media and really sharing your values uh, out to the world via social media. But pictures and videos of your team working together on those type things is, is a phenomenal way to do that. And then you can link that on your web page and, and send a candidate to that page to see this is who we are, this is who we're about. That's one way. The number one way is to have your employees be your brand ambassador for that type um, activity. Because you know what, it's, it's best to say, don't take my word for it. Take Paul's word for it. Take Kim's word for it. Let's talk to them and see what they like about working at your firm. And that goes back to retention, uh, employee engagement, and treating your people well now so that they will help you recruit in the future because you can spend countless dollars on job ads and recruiters and the recruiting uh, cost internally. But the easiest way to close that gap is to share that through personal experiences of your employees and have a way to promote your culture socially through social media. And you guys both talked about the remote workforce. You talked about culture and all of that leads into, you can, you can recruit a lot of people, but I think David, you mentioned that the the starting point is retaining your top talent. And so, you know, in this market where we've already discussed how tight it is, what do I need to know as an employer about if I need to be all in on retaining my top talent, what does that look like for me? One is recognizing that top talent and being intentional in grading your team. Who who can we live with? Uh, who who can't we live with rather? And what is my plan for that person? What is my value proposition for that person? And be intentional about their career path. And small ways of showing appreciation, starting with simply, Kim, I really appreciate you. You do a great job for this company and you're valuable to me and this organization. Just saying that sometimes is, is very critical. Also, the team camaraderie. This, back to the remote workforce thing, as people and companies decide what their return to work plan is, Tom mentioned people are more, are more productive when they can collaborate. There's going to be some circumstances where employees do not want to go back to the office. They found so much value. They spent more time with their family. They, they, they have avoided terrible commutes in some cases, but but it's going to be difficult for you to retain your your talent if they are not connected to their teammates. So communicating that as part of your re, your return to work plan, uh, a lot of of our employees say they like transparency from their employer. Besides the social um, social work and 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 volunteer work, they want a transparent employer. Well, if you communicate to your employees, this is why we're coming back to work. And this is why that it's, that it's important that you come to work on whatever your schedule is. Think about how difficult it is to train new employees in this remote, remote workforce. Traditionally, we're in an office and we can go through training and lean to the cube next to you and pick up tips and tricks and get to know people and earn trust. We've got to get some of that back because if someone is sitting at their debt and they're completely remote, it's not so hard to leave the company because you're not really part of it. You don't feel like you're part of the company as, as you once were. So part of the retention is being intentional with the return to work. Be transparent why this is important 
and always communicate with your employees why that they are valuable to you. Share we share successes. That's one of our values at Warren Avery to share our successes. Uh, when the team's doing well, employees are doing well, simply telling them. I have a friend of mine and his wife just returned to work after about 15 years in the, out of the workforce being a stay-at-home mom. She goes back to work last year and the first job that she received that she went to was not very good, not very good at all. Okay. Uh, she worked there for a while, you know, refreshed her skills and then got a new offer at a, at a better employer. He texted me a photo just this week and it was a gift basket to his wife from the employer. And it simply said, we appreciate you. What'd that cost? 50 bucks maybe, right? That's a lot cheaper than my recruiting fee. I can assure you that to replace her if she's not happy. So being intentional and reaching out to those people and my friend who's a business person and a business leader said, you know, the cost of retaining good people, we overestimate that many times. Look how this made my wife's day that she received a gift basket unsolicited and said, thank you for working here. To learn more from Tom Kosnick, visit his website at vicesgroup.com. Vices, that's V-I-S-U-S. Now, back to the show. Hey, Paul, uh, you talked about uh, culture. Uh, Kim, you talked about engagement. Uh, first off, uh, Paul, regarding culture, a lot of organizations don't even know what their culture is. That's a good point. So every organization, and, and there, there are cultural assessments and surveys. Uh, uh, two things about culture, corporate culture, and then you might have like the sales organization, the sales function might have a culture separate to itself where they stress certain things. So for example, are you, is an, is an organization centralized versus non-centralized? Are they very uh, prudent decision makers or are they very venturesome decision makers? Uh, are they a highly collaborative team or do they have folks that are like very uh, individual, individualized roles and tasks and things like that. So first thing, understand what the corporate culture is by some of these tools and whatnot. And then how do you make that culture alive? That's where you have cult organizations will have culture committees where what is the specific behavior that uh, exudes being venturesome or innovative or sales orientated or operational ex excellence coming from people themselves. People do what they help create. People do what they help create. And then Kim with, with engagement, I'll tell you my friends at the Dr. Clifton and my friends at the Gallup poll will tell you, and you all your listeners can take this to the bank and earn great interest on it, but the manager is the key. So. You have to have, like, in terms of like training and development, like the number one training and development thing should be management training. Because if you've got great managers on staff, people leave managers, they don't leave companies. So you got great managers on staff, you, those managers are going to be touching these employees on a regular basis. They're going to be knowing their motivations. They're going to be knowing their strengths. They're going to be able to get them in the right roles and the job test. What does all that stuff do? It all drives productivity. And you know what productivity drives? Satisfaction. Satisfaction doesn't come from, you know, fancy, fancy this and fancy that and whatever. An individual's productivity in a, in a job in an organization drives that drives the satisfaction. 
Tom, you mentioned the, the manager and we've had this discussion before. What's your thoughts on not just investing in technical training for the general employee population, but for leadership training in those managers who are so critical to retaining that talent? I guess we'd have to define leadership, but uh, there's there's leadership. Uh, gosh, I don't know how many leadership books that are out there, but there's management, right? Management, classic definition, getting people to do what they need to do on a day-to-day basis in order for the organization to hit its goal and grow and all that stuff. And then classic definition on leadership is, you know, the visionary, the, you know, looking ahead, doing the strategy work and that sort of thing. But those key, those key managers, getting them to see uh, beyond their foxhole or beyond their division. Oh yeah. I mean, well, that's going to, that's only going to increase your retention with those senior managers that you have on staff. So very, very important. So you guys have talked about culture. We've talked about retention. We've talked about the marketplace. Now let's talk about compensation. There has to be, this can't be something that everybody's going to go in a different direction. There's, there's good. Everybody is going to be helping each other get to the same point. I mean, we're all, we're all picking from the same barrel. So we all got to say the same amount. Um, And compensation is not just dollars in my bank account. Compensation, total compensation is the benefits, right? It's what are you providing me when I do come to work? So, uh, with with this fast moving market, um, you know how do we how do we handle compensation as business leaders? Companies need to understand the data. Having the freshest, uh, most reliable data available is critical. Understand what you're dealing with. You would not go and buy a home if you didn't know what the comps were in the area. You wouldn't sell a home if you didn't know what the comps were in the area. So understanding what what the market is, it is very tempting for business leaders to bury their head because let's face it we don't want to hear that rates are that wages are increasing it's not it's not fun it doesn't look good on the PL. and as tom said there's something will have to be re- reworked on that PL. but this also leads back to that question who who is going to get the employees who can be the best at recruiting well you will quickly eliminate yourself if you are not in the game on compensation and for me, it's always been on compensation. That includes benefits that you mentioned, Paul. You can be at market. You can't be out of market because when candidates are comparing offers, comparing situations, you just can't be behind. You don't have to lead the market, but you certainly cannot be behind and eliminate yourself from consideration because you don't offer a certain benefit or your wages are are out of sync and we as lead business leaders can fool ourselves well we're re- it's a really a great company though if you really just understand what it means to work here then you, you'll understand you don't, we don't need to pay you that much well if that's the case then you better have everything else in order and that goes back to your culture um, your community investment and all that and you're still going to have a, a tough fight if you're not paying enough so have the data be aware of what what it is trend that out it is not going backwards it's going forwards trend out the data and have yourself in a marketable position so you don't have to lead the market but you cannot be out of market for compensation so i'm listening to this as an employer and i'm thinking well this is a lot of you know there's it's a tight market there's not a lot of people out there to recruit from there's a lot of people that want to hire my people so i've got to work really hard to retain them compensation's going up what do i do what do I do right now as an employer to get ahead of this, 
maybe I'm looking, thinking I'm way behind, right? So I'm not getting ahead. I'm just trying to get caught up to where you guys are telling me I need, need to already be. So what's your advice to me as an employer right now as it relates to talent? Hey, I would, first off, you got to finance the financial modeling. That's a, a, a number one. So uh, from a perspective of just the health, I mean, business, you're, you're in business to make money, businesses to create uh, wealth for individuals and all that stuff. So like, or organizations have got to, they just said they got to figure it out financially. Then it's, it's all about many of the things that we've been talking about retain. It's, it's like turnover. It's ridiculous how much money turnover costs. So focusing on that engagement and, and retention of employees is key, key, key. That's got to be, a, that's got, that's going to be a key initiative uh, going forward. And, and it's going to be more challenging because a lot of the, a lot of this, the universities are telling kids that are coming out of college, hey, you know, work here for two years, here for two years, here for two years, here for two years. I mean, David will tell you, like it used to be employers used to say, I don't want to look at any resumes where the guy has had more than three jobs in 10 years. I mean, not, not, these resumes, they read like rap sheets now. It's like every 18 months. Who can, who can learn a job and really succeed in it in, in a two-year period? So, and, and that goes back to the management piece of it and all that stuff. So really coming up with a strong, practical strategy of retaining your best. And here, here's, the, here's the really interesting thing. Kim, you look really smart. And so if I've got, if I want to come work for an organization. Thank you. Thank you you're for welcome. saying that. If I want to come work for an organization and I want to grow and I want to develop, like, hey, I'm going to go size these organizations up. I'm going to go work for an organization that's got a lot of smart, talented people. Your top 20%, I mean, those are, you have to figure out creative techniques to keep those people involved in the organization and, uh, and, and whatnot, because that becomes a big part of the attraction. Like, wow, I can I can become, uh, I can become, uh, you know, this, this, this kind of an accounting and finance professional, or, you know, I can really, I can really learn a lot about selling or about operations because of the people. So hate to say back to basics because the, ba you know, the basics, the ground has shifted a little bit on the basics, but uh, those are some of the things I, I think. I, I think companies, if they're not all already need to be very strategic with talent the rest of this year and, and going forward. And what I mean by strategic is someone in, in the leadership of every company must be tasked with the talent strategy. It can't be seen as just a problem or something we deal with, you know, when, when it comes and goes or push that down to HR or to recruiting or to the outside recruiting vendor. It really needs to be part of the company's overall strategy and comments that people do what they're involved with management and leadership needs to set the tone. And if they understand how important culture is, well, they're going to be, they're going to get more involved and be intentional in setting that culture and communicating that culture, uh, setting budgets. The fact, you know, leaders are going to have to consider the added cost of wages and that has to fit in the P and L somewhere. So why would you not budget for your recruiting strategy, your retention strategy, budget for making sure you have up-to-date compensation data. And that way this, that you can become proactive. What, what I fear for our, our clients is this quick shift from the, the stressed job market in 2018 and 19 to the 
halt, immediate halt in 2020, and now we're back at it again. It's it's hard to really be committed to talent when this thing is yo-yoing us like this. But if if our clients will be committed to having that strategy, if someone doesn't already have a seat at the leadership table that's in charge of talent, put someone in charge of talent or bring someone up in uh, to those meetings, budget, budget, budget for these costs and stay ahead. It, it is it's going to be a game of attrition with your competitors, everyone else trying to hire the same people that you are. And early bird gets the worm. If you accept this market today and get ahead, uh, be ready for attrition. It's going to happen this year. So plan, 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 budget, 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 accept the market. And I would look at, at as that as one way to get ahead of your competitors is be prepared, own it, embrace it. Because if they don't, you are going to beat them in the talent game. So here on the wrap, we like to wrap it up in 60 seconds for our listeners. What is that? What are, what are the one or two things you want them to, to leave with and think about uh, as they move forward with retention and compensation and recruiting and talent? My thoughts, I would say, number one, make sure you figure out the financial model. And that, that relates to compensation and training and development and all that stuff with your, with your, with your people so that your company's making the, the net income that you're looking for it to make. So financial modeling it out, number one. Number two, uh, that whole, how, do, how does the senior management make that apple the shiniest that it can be? So that's think, really thinking out, outside the box in terms of engagement, productivity, management training, leadership development, uh, giving back to the community at large, having these these uh, these social programs that we're involved in. So senior the senior the senior management really have got to come together and have conversations uh, and a common uh, understanding on how to do that. Uh, and then and then get your employees involved in building the action plan of making it happen. I, I want our clients to just heed our advice on don't be lulled to sleep by the halt and the shutdown of last year, that this employment game is not what, what it appears. Uh, again, just tune out any kind of 6%, 7%, whatever, tune that out and just understand the market that you're in. That, that's the number, that's the first piece of advice I give our clients. We could go on for hours about this conversation. So um, just so much to talk about. I'm sure there'll be a follow-up to this podcast at some point in time, which is why we keep asking you to come back, David. So Tom, thanks for being with us, David. Thanks for coming back. You're welcome. Great to be here. Have a great one. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to the podcast series or make a suggestion of other topics you want to hear. Visit us at warrenabritt.com forward slash the wrap.